0: Welcome to Calvary Life. This is the podcast for Calvary Baptist Church and uh, those who are interested in local church life. I'm Charles Uptain.
1: Hey, I'm Paul Thompson.
0: Hey, I'm
2: Dan Tankersley.
0: Yeah, we have Dan with us today. We're excited about uh, uh, this coming Sunday as we have elder nominations, our, our uh, vote for elders for the Elder Council. And uh, two men are before the church, Sam Tarwater and Dan Tankersley. And so we thought today would be a, a great day to have a conversation uh, with Dan just to talk about um, his ministry uh, and also just, I guess, give you a chance to just get to hear from Dan a little bit from a different perspective than his discipleship pastor role that he's been in. So, uh, Dan, thanks for being with us. And uh, I just thought I'd ask you first off, if you just give us a a real, I guess, a brief overview of your testimony. Tell us about how, how God came into your life and, and uh, those kind of things as we start.
2: Okay. Well, I was born at a young age, um, as most people were. And most people listening will know that I grew up here at Calvary Baptist Church. And I did the math recently. Um, I've been part of Calvary for 33 years of my life. So Calvary's been my home church for 33 years out of, I'll be 40 in August. Um, So I came to Christ here at Calvary as an 8-year-old. I believe it was at a VBS. Uh, My grandfather baptized me. And some people look back and, you know, they get baptized at a young age and say, I wasn't really saved then, I came in Christ later. But for me, I believe that I was eight when the Holy Spirit indwelt me. I believe that was the point of my salvation. So I grew up here at Calvary, um, was involved in the youth group, and I was here until 2003 when I left for college. And um, <clears throat> uh, to Montevallo,
1: of, Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame. That,
2: that is true. Before Montevallo, it was Central Alabama okay. baseball. I spent some time at Auburn too, but um, so in college, I was pursuing physical therapy and I thought that's what God wanted me to do. I hadn't hadn't really prayed about it a lot, I just assumed that, you know, that's what I was going to do. And so, uh, long story short, I applied to physical therapy school at UAB, one of the top 50 schools in the country. Got oh on blazers. the waiting list, assumed I was going to get in, but I didn't, and so that's when I really started actually praying about, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And it was at that point that I since God's called to ministry. And the first thing I did was enroll in seminary at New Orleans. They had an extension in Birmingham. And the very first class, we went around and introduced ourselves and you know talked about what we wanted to do in ministry. And I said, you know, I'm Dan, this is my first seminary class. I love Jesus and I love sports, so I think I might want to do recreation ministry. And uh, there was a guy in my class that served at Hunter Street Baptist Church, which I know, Charles, you're familiar with Hunter Street. Yep. And uh, he said, hey, man, we got a part-time position open in REC. You want to come work for us? And that was my path into REC ministry. I was part-time for a few months, then full-time. Uh, and then uh, to fast-forward 2012, um, God brought me back to Dothan to serve in recreation at First Baptist Church here in Dothan. And uh, then after about four years at First Baptist, um, my wife and I were at a place in life. We just uh, really sensed God leading us somewhere else and spent really about a year just praying, crying out to God, you know, God what's your will for us, and we're really open to go anywhere, wherever you wanted, but um, by God's providence, my life has come full circle back to Calvary, Uh, so 2016, I began serving as discipleship pastor here, so that's a a nutshell of um, how I got to where I am today. So we kind of broke
1: a cardinal rule there, didn't we, Dan? We we poached a local (laughs) minister from a a church only a, a couple of miles from us.
2: Well, you know, it was going from recreation to discipleship, so, you know, that's that's allowed. Yeah. We're all one big family. You know, First Baptist Planet Calvary, so we're all one big family, right. really. Do they still talk to you over there? Do yeah. you have any? Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. My in-laws are still over there, so. so.
1: Okay. And I still get a Sunday morning text um, from Johnny, Johnny Fain. Fain. yeah. so do I. Okay, good. I'm glad you're on the list. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't burn that bridge. <laughs> well, good. Hey, when you are at New Orleans, because... Charles went to New Orleans. I went to New Orleans. I don't think our, our times there were, I don't think our paths crossed. But what was your favorite class you took there?
2: Uh, my favorite class was probably my first class, and that was um, spiritual formation. All we did was we memorized Romans chapter 8. Don't ask me to recite that now, but we memorized it. I did back then. And we went through Donald Whitney's spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. And for me, that was a time where I think God really um, transformed me. A lot. So that's probably my favorite class. Do you yeah, remember actually.
1: any professors um, in church rec? Um,
2: I, not off the top of my head. Do
1: you? I'm trying okay. to, though. That's why I asked you, because I was hoping you could remember the guy's name. I think his last name started with an M, but I really liked him. I just can't remember. I did a okay. one-week intensive doing a workshop, because I was doing extension in seminary back in the day. Our Our extension center was in Orlando. Okay. So... Yeah, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Well, tell us a little bit about what you perceive in a transition from – you've been on on staff with us for six years in a staff role, ministry role, discipleship. One, start there. What, what do you do? Okay. I mean, what's your job here? And what do you perceive being different, being part of this elder council?
2: All right. Uh, well, as far as what I do – um, I guess I I'll kind of oversee our small groups, um, our discipleship process, our, our D groups. And so a lot of what I do is um, equip, lead in those areas. I spend a lot of time writing life group curriculum. Um, I kind of am involved in the membership. You know, I help teach the membership classes and, and all that. So I guess those are the, the main things. Um, and as far as how that's gonna change, um, y'all could probably say more about that. I'm not real, real sure. Of course, there'll be more, you know, meetings to go to and that sort of thing, but um, I guess definitely <laughs> more meetings, <laughs> definitely more meetings. This yeah. is
1: really part of a process too for the church and, and for the church's sake in clarifying those roles so, so our folks have a, have a better, clearer, more biblical understanding, not at any fault of theirs, but just through ours of making, making it plain that the word pastor and elder are interchangeable and so you know moving forward trying to be very very careful with the titles we use for people who work on our staff people who have ministry leadership roles who are part of paid staff but um, may or may not be elders in the sense that um, they're not given that authority over the church in the same sense don't have the same kind of responsibilities Um, you know maybe a traditional technical definition for elders would be those that the church is entrusted for its teaching ministry and also performance of ordinances so these are the ones that we would entrust to baptize and lead the lord's supper and and those sort of things but just trying to be really clear because we don't want that confusion anymore you know it's just it's been a, a long-standing problem with baptist churches like ours that were just really non-specific about those titles and so almost anybody on church staff that gets you know that has a job a ministry role leadership position that they're paid for gets titled pastor and that's you know that's just not consistent biblically and so it's just something we're trying to be just super sharp with and clear on what we mean when we say pastor so if, if you're a
0: pastor or an elder that's just those things are are they're the same yeah and you know i i know we've really struggled with what what to call the rest of the staff you know we we haven't really found a word the words that that meet the really what we want to say and so you know, we we have some some of our guys in Joyce. You know, we call directors because they direct ministry uh, is a, is a good way to say that. But but you know, um, that word kind of comes short with some of the other things that we ask them to do. That's more than just direction of ministry because you know uh, we expect like Reagan, we expect Zach to be uh, to be helping when it comes to shepherding the congregation underneath you. You know, and yeah. so. How do we call them something that kind of leads to that, but doesn't doesn't just fall short of just directing ministry? Yeah, I'm not
1: satisfied with where we've landed right now, so I don't think this is where we'll be long-term, but sort of in the intermediate, we've titled those who are ordained, but working under the leadership of other staff, like under my leadership or yours in family ministry or something like that, we've used the title associate pastor, and so for those who meet the biblical criteria for elders, things we find in Timothy and Titus, we would if they're ordained, so they're reverends technically, then we would say um, we could call them associate pastors. But like you said, otherwise, the unordained staff are those that aren't biblically qualified to be elders. Sometimes just simply for because of gender, we don't believe that the Bible allows for women as pastors, pastoral roles. And so those would be people who are directors. Others, it may just simply be age or experience or um, time put in. Or Again, you, um, it, this is maybe a little bit of a digression from you guys getting to know Dan a little bit, but in a church setting, you know, people need to understand too that the local church has the responsibility of calling out, choosing, identifying their own elders, right? We don't do that on our own. So if for some reason I were to leave Calvary and I were to go to attend church somewhere, I moved to another state and I'm attending this Bible church in Michigan. I don't walk in and declare myself an elder there. That's up to that local church to determine if I'm, if I am an elder, and if they want me to be an elder for them, for their sake. So, you know, ultimately that falls on the congregation too. So the congregation has to see, even in our staff, they have to see those that we would choose to be elders. They have to see that because the church has to nominate them. We're not choosing our own, um, you know, successors or or ministry partners. We're not choosing our own elder council. The congregation nominates, and the elder council just just vents a little bit. Dan, you know, you've seen elders at work here because – pretty closely paralleling the time that you've been on staff here, we've had elders in place. So kind of give a spiel, you know, maybe a commercial, an advertisement from your perspective. What's the value for a church like ours to have elders? Is this something that you would say is a, that's a must do, or it's okay if you do or if you don't. It's a preference, not, um, you know, it's not a requirement. Or would you say this is something that uh, you a know, church really needs to have? And to follow up with that, if you should um, become a senior pastor somewhere, maybe a church plant or um, a replant or something like that, and you become a senior pastor, is, is having elders, is that a priority?
2: Um, to answer that last question, yes, I believe it is a priority because it is the biblical structure of a church. You have elders and, and deacons. Um, and speaking to our elders, um, I think I'll read Hebrews thirteen seventeen. I know that our elders are familiar with that verse. Uh, it says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you." And so I get a sense that our elders really understand that they're shepherding, shepherding this flock and will give an account to God for it. Um, and of course, one of their main roles is prayer. We shouldn't expect God to do things apart from us praying. I know we have, y'all have special meetings on Wednesdays to do nothing but pray for our members. Um, I know people, um, our average member probably doesn't know that, but our elders do a lot of, of praying for, for you, the church. Um, in addition, they. Um, uh, help keep us on course, and really one of the things that drew me back to Calvary almost eight years ago was just the Calvary's not a perfect church as we all know, but I believe after being here eight years, our desire is to conform to Scripture, and you know there's a focus on biblical preaching, on missions, on discipleship. And I guess about four or five years ago, we realized that hey, we need to have lay elders, and so that's the direction we've been going. And so, uh, just to be at a church that you know conforms to Scripture and has you know men operating as elders who are walking closely with the Lord, I think is a real blessing, and it's the way God designed it. And I can't imagine where we'd be um, without that sort of structure.
0: Yeah, I think we're kind of you know, you are the as we mentioned, we we were talking earlier. You're kind of the the last piece of the transition from staff to now having those who have a pastor uh, name or title uh, being me and you are the only two on staff um, besides pastor Paul um, who will now be on the, on the council. And so it will, it will fit better with that. Talk a little bit about, you know, in the last, I guess, three or four years, you've had to, you've kind of had to, um, I don't know, submit to the elders uh, Mm -hmm. while carrying that pastoral title. So how's, has there been any any um, you know thoughts to that, or any kind of con, uh, anything in your mind of of how am I supposed to do this, or any of those things towards that? How how's that worked in that submission?
2: Uh, well, thankfully, I mean most of the decisions made are decisions. Uh, you know, fully agree with, so that hasn't been a big deal. But even the things that I have disagreed with are few and far between. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I trust my elders. so I am going to submit to them, and you know, I kind of had to do some self-examination. And if I didn't trust the elders here at Calvary Baptist Church, I probably wouldn't be here. Um, and so I see the value in you know the structure that God lays out. And sometimes you submit to your elders, even if you disagree with them, uh, trusting that they are discerning the will of God. And I am um, looking here at Acts twenty twenty eight. Um, which says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so we trust as God, you know, provides elders to churches, it's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides that. And so um, again, at the end of the day, you trust that the Holy Spirit has given you the right elders. And if you disagree with those elders, you say, okay, I'm going to submit and follow them anyway.
1: So now we've got thousands of listeners that are sitting (laughs) on the edge of their seats. They've pulled off the interstate, because they want to know, all right, Dan, what have you disagreed with <clears throat> regarding decisions of the elders? Tell us one or two things that elders have done that you mm. said, mm, I don't know about that.
2: Okay, well, uh, Justin, you can edit whatever you need to. No, no, no. <laughs> editing. This, is, this, is what
1: keeps, this is what keeps people listening, Dan. No,
2: Well, people probably know that <laughs> I'm somebody who likes to, to kind of pick a course of ministry and stay on it, and so... I'm actually looking right now at a discipleship strategy that we developed years ago. And so I was pretty committed to that strategy. Um, But then, you know, we kind of decided to kind of um, change that strategy. So that that was kind of a hard adjustment. But um, where we landed, you know, I think is is a good place. And so that was one example. And um, I can think, and actually, I think when y'all went to the Nine Marks Weekender, um, those who went came back with some very grand ideas and um, proposed some major changes, and I was kind of like shocked about those. But after it was filtered through the lay elders, we landed a place that was very reasonable. So um, I just want to say <laughs> that I, I thank God for the the lay elders who have it probably worked, right? it it, yeah That's what's yeah, to yeah 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 it worked. Dan, would you say
1: a, one of your roles, one of your staff roles? So this will be an elder role too. Will be to provide
2: balance. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty pretty calm, laid back fella, and so I think I can. Um, hopefully maintain some stability and, and peace and that sort of thing.
1: Now, you were alluding to this discipleship strategy and changes, but of course, anybody who's listening, you will not know what those are because we've not, <laughs> we've not rolled those out yet. But just, I, I will preemptively say this. These are not revolutionary changes. Um, I'd like to consider them evolutionary as, as we have been moving in the last uh, number of years, something that would be recognizable to where we wanted to be 10 years ago, and similar to things we were doing four or five years ago, but hopefully just a natural, natural evolution of those things. And, you know, as Dan alludes to, a lot of, a lot of filters and tweaks and conversations along the way, but um, always with the aim of being as effective as, as we can be.
2: And I want to confirm that what seemed to be a drastic change to our strategy at the beginning, I will affirm is just a natural continuation of of the path we've been on. So um, it ended up, I think, a a very good thing.
1: And sometimes it takes, well, I won't say sometimes, I I would say in general, the general rule is new things take a long time to really take root and become part of culture. And those are things we're still just working on. I mean, like Sunday night worship, Um, we want that to become part of culture, part of norm right now it still has a feeling of newness. Same thing with open classes and, and that's that level of teaching, training, theologically, and and not just theologically, for people who haven't been in open classes, it's not dry, boring theological information. We do spend time in theology, um, biblical theology, and we got some exciting stuff, at least from those of us who will be teaching it coming up, but also just practical life things and marriage and family and and relationships and purity and discipling and you know all those things are all woven into that so let me just take a moment to say if you're if you're missing that component jump in and you can still be faithful to and active in your own small group your life group and do this Um, but there's some there's really some good things happening there
0: yeah you know one question dan that i've i've gotten since i've went on the council a few years ago as already been on staff is is how how does it work with um you know in the as a council as a member of the council that we we are all equals as elders of course then we we see paul as the first of equals as in because he's the teaching pastor in that so but then how does that work then when we turn around and in the office and pastor paul is the you know he is our boss so to speak or not so to speak he is so how how have you so to speak yeah, yeah how have you so to speak put that in your <laughs> mind um, uh, and what do you see there how, how, are you, how are you how would you explain and answer that question
2: um, I guess I haven't thought too much about it I mean just in a general sense uh, you and Pastor Paul are, are my elders because you're older than me you're men that I look up to and so that's that's not gonna change obviously and um y'all could speak more to Mark Dever and the kind of the structure of his elders. He's got a lot of young elders and yes you know, for him, they, they vote against him all the time and he thinks it's a good thing. And so I may vote against you on a vote, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna look up to you and, and respect you and, and that sort of thing. Um but I don't think we vote about a whole lot, so that might even not even be a be an issue.
0: Yeah, but but the question is not on, on respect there. The question is on authority when it comes to in the office. So yeah. You know there there is a difference there. I mean, you know, I I see my 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 um, even though when we're in the elders meeting, I'm actually the one who usually leads the meetings. I'm mm-hmm. the one who's um, pressing the agenda. Even though Paul and I have talked about that, I'm, I'm pressing the agenda to move on and do things and 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 call for votes and those kind of things that falls in under my role. Well, then of course we come in staff and and that's not the same. It changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a change in that um, and it's in. And I don't think it's as hard as people think it is. I guess that's my point. Um, and I think you'll find that that it's it's really not much different than what you what you do on a, on a day to day basis. Because our staff meetings are open. You know, Paul mm-hmm. doesn't Paul doesn't run us as as the authority and saying, "Here, guys, this is what you're going to do." You know, there's a lot of discussion and a lot of openness. And I don't think he would want to run run in a direction that the staff didn't want to go. You know, mm-hmm. so um, with that, I don't I don't think there's that much difference. But I've had that question a lot. Mm-hmm. Of, of can you do that? Can you have this, can you can you be on the council and be an elder, but then also serve underneath Paul on staff? And I say, yes, it's very, it, it works very well. Actually, I don't mm-hmm. see it as a problem at all. Mm-hmm. So Maybe you'll, I hope you'll find the same yeah. thing. I
2: think, well, I think you if, if you can do it, I can do it, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ideally, and this is something I guess I want our folks to hear, um, if you're a Calvary person listening, that those are not two groups that are working in any way at odds with each other. And, you know, with, our, our staff is an extension of, of the direction that elders are setting. And elders are also, we've, heard, we've said these things before to congregations we were implementing this years ago. This is not like an uber committee where they're talking about every single detail of, of every single aspect. They're talking about the health of the church. And as, When the elders gather, we're talking about big decisions that would affect the overall health and unity of the church. Uh, teaching plans moving forward, like what are we going to do in these open classes and things like that. And, and issues that really would affect everybody. But as we talked about before, a lot of it is we're praying for the congregation and trying to do pastoral care. One of the things we really want to step up in 2024, and I'm kind of putting myself out there and this will obligate us to it, but spending more time with people in their homes and just really connect with people on a pastoral level. How are you doing? How can we how can we be ministering to you? What's What's happening with you spiritually? How can we encourage you, motivate you, that sort of thing, hold you accountable? And so that general direction for the life of the church, um, that's easy for us if the staff has a sense of that where the elders think we need to go. The more, the more clear that is coming down from the elders, the better it is for the staff to be able to carry that kind of stuff out. And mm-hmm. the better we can communicate those things back to the elders, the more confidence the elders can have that the staff is working well, accomplishing the things we want them to accomplish. And so elders are not trying to micromanage the staff but they do entrust me to lead the staff so um
0: and i think it'll be more helpful to even have dan in the room even though dan's been in some of our elder meetings i mean you you as a staff member have been in there more than anybody else because of sometimes of the discussions about discipleship and and discussions about d groups and all those things that we've gone to the last few years they've included your job so you've been there to help um steer those and talk about that so so you've been in more uh, council meetings and anyone else on staff no no doubt but I think it will be helpful that you are now there every time and and your voice is there and so you know when it comes to the coordination between the staff and the elders I think the more everybody's on the same playing field it really helps and so I think I think having you there will be a benefit on both sides when staff and also with with the elder council
2: good.
1: And then they could enjoy your dry humor as well, exactly. as we so frequently do in staff we'll, meetings. We'll see. <laughs> as far as you know, elder ministry goes, um, you mentioned something about Capitol Hill and that that model and how it's a little bit different. One of the things that we saw there that is still an aspiration of ours, it's, it'll be a little bit of a shift for for our folks. We tend to perceive elders and rightly so, even the term itself suggests age. So people the Old Testament model of elders were, well, they were, the, they were elders. They were people who had the maturity and wisdom to lead, and people looked up to them. And that's certainly the, the forerunner of New Testament elders. But at the same time, one of the things we saw at Capitol Hill, which we much want to implement at some point, is intentionally bringing in some younger guys that God is calling to pastoral ministry. And so their term of service here on our elder council may not be six years. It may be two years. As God preps them, prepares them, and sends them out, and so that would be a unique thing for us. But we, you know, I want to say that for Calvary folks who are listening, we want that to be part of what we're doing. um, As God sends our way, folks that He's going to use to plant churches and be part of church staffs and things, that they would be part of our elders, not because um, we're trying to put them in a just in a decision making capacity, and all of a sudden they're going to be you know changing things that sort of thing, but they would be part of a learning group and they would learn what it means to functionally lead a church and pastor a church with other elders. I think it would be invaluable. I I would have loved to have had the opportunity as a young pastor, because I became a senior pastor, quote-unquote, when I was 26 years old. I would have loved the opportunity back then to have had a healthy group of elders to meet with and learn from and and grow with. And so, yeah, that's probably one, one bigger difference. Another thing that they've done, and this is part of the ongoing maturity of a church, we want to get to the point where we have so many people that meet the biblical criteria and want to serve that we can't choose them all um, because capitol hill baptist church is a little bit larger than we are maybe i don't know maybe they're 30 40 percent larger i guess that's not a little bit they're they're, they're larger than we are in attendance maybe 25 30 percent on weekly attendance um, but they have significantly more elders, a significantly larger group of elders. And the benefit to that for that congregation is you got a lot more people to provide care and ministry and fewer people falling <coughs> through the cracks. So, yeah, we, we would love to get to that point. But we're never going to, to dilute the stream just to you know, get those numbers higher, that sort of thing. And part of that strategy that you alluded to earlier we'll be talking about soon, rolling out soon in the congregation, does include some intentionality regarding sending people out. And some intentionality regarding church planting. So I'll throw that Easter egg out there right now early in January.
0: Yep. So uh Dan, speak to speak to Anna uh okay. and and her role that you think she has in your <coughs> ministry as 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 spouse of a as a staff member and now one serving on the council of elders. Um, you know, speak to, to her role in
2: this. Okay. Can I say how we came together and then speak to yeah, that sure. just give a, a brief summary so um, so I was living in Birmingham actually at Monte Valley I had a bad relationship and got out of it and after that I was like God don't let me date or even want to date anybody that's not the one for me so I was living in Birmingham for I guess about five years after that and it was one of the top 10 cities in the country for singles didn't date anybody and then I come back to Dothan where there's there's much much less singles. Um, and so I was, I was really thinking about what the Apostle Paul said about, you know, just do, staying single, doing ministry. That's where I was kind of at First Baptist. I wasn't closed off to marriage, but I was just praying, God, don't let me desire anybody that's not right for me. So one day I uh, get back in from lunch, um, the Recreation Outreach Center at First Baptist Church. And my assistant says there's a couple uh, ladies from California looking at the gym. So that was Anna and her mother. And so at the time, I was recruiting for a kickball team. Um, Kickball for singles is a big deal here in Dothan, if y'all didn't know. And so this was like the first season. So I had a team at First Baptist, and so I recruited Anna to play. Uh, God gave me a desire for her, and we dated for a few months, and the rest is history. And on her end, if she told it, she would also say that she spent years just praying for the right person, didn't do much dating, and then comes back to Dothan, and God brought her from the other side of the country straight through the doors of my workplace, and that's really what it, what it took for me to be open to that.
1: So what was she doing in California?
2: Uh, she went to college at San Diego State, uh, graduated. Her father was a pilot for American Airlines, retired, was just living out there in Orange County writing writing books. Um, and so they were um, – that's a whole another story about he was committed to staying there, but then uh, one day God changed his heart, and they moved back to Dothan. Um, but she grew, her grandparents uh, lived here, so she grew up coming visiting Dothan every summer and that sort of thing. So you guys so. only dated a few months, and then you. Uh, I think about year. six or eight months, maybe. Uh, it was less than a year. Yeah, so been married uh, April will be ten years. Uh, three kids: Elijah's uh, six, uh, Kate is four, and Audrey is two, and they're all about to have birthdays, so you can add a year to those numbers. Awesome. But as far as her role in, in, in the ministry, um, up until now, her, her primary role has been prayer. Like she wants to, she doesn't have her own ministry thing. Like she sees her role is praying for me and supporting me. And you'll notice wherever I am, she wants to be. So whether that's teaching in a life group or, you know, teaching an open class, she really wants to be with me and she sees her role as, as a supportive role um, to me.
1: If anybody ever comes to you with a serious issue or a complaint, you know, a a weighty matter, something that's going to be sticky, difficult to deal with. Will you make a public pledge now for everybody who's listening that you will not pretend to be Ben <laughs> and then say, oh, you need my brother go talk to him? Uh, I will not. Really I may do that.
2: <laughs> uh, no, if you're listening and I uh, don't know, I do have a twin brother. Uh, we're actually mirror images. So if we're looking at each other, I'm left-handed; he's right-handed. I'm right-footed; he's left-footed. All those things, and um, he does play bass guitar on some Sunday mornings. Um, but the way he tells us <laughs> the way he tell us <laughs> apart is that he has a beard. So remember, Ben Beard. If he shaves, that'll confuse everybody. But as of now, Ben has a beard, and I don't. So, yeah, Dan discipleship I like that, Justin.
0: Yeah, I've got I got a question too. From uh, I've always I've had this uh, this thought many times walking behind the office building. There's, there's concrete back there that was poured back in the 1990s, okay. um, maybe 2000, somewhere in there. Um, and it's got two sets of initials in it. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. I don't think it's so. It's a BN and a DN. And I've always wondered if that was Ben and Dan playing <laughs> around because they would have been about that age. And instead of doing their real initials. I thought, hey, we can do a Bn and a Dn. So I, I want to see if that if that's true. That's
2: very possible. If if I did that, I don't remember it, but it doesn't mean I didn't do it. Maybe somebody listening did it. They can let us know. But I like to go look at that and see yeah, if it, I, it's I've my never, handwriting. I don't
0: know Anybody else with Bn letters that, that would fit of that time frame? You know, I've been here forever, yeah. so I I, yeah. I remember when that was poured. And I was kids here. Did yeah. that? So I'm well. wondering if that's a if that's Ben and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man!
1: All right, this is our last question. So we won't drag this this thing out. Dan, do you feel there are any challenges for you? You you mentioned how many years total you've been connected to Calvary, mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe we misattribute this verse about Jesus to our own ministries um, about you know a prophet without <laughs> honor among his own people, his own country, that sort of thing. Do you you perceive any challenges? You know, you, bearing the title elder, and to Charles's point, people remember when Dan and Ben were little kids around here and teenagers around here, do you perceive any, any difficulty with that, or, I mean, again, you're not new here, so it's not like you're just starting that journey, but, uh, how do you lead people who've seen you grow up?
2: Yeah, well, going back to, you know, I was at First Baptist and, um, really prayed about God, where do you want me, and, um. You know, he could have sent me anywhere in the world, theoretically, but he brought me back to my home church where people already knew me. And I was thinking, you know, life is really all about people. And I think there's an advantage of, of knowing the same people a lot of your life. And I think on both ends, you know, the people at Calvary, you know me because they watched me grow up. Um, so hopefully that means they know they, uh, they've they know my testimony. They know that hopefully they can trust me, and so hopefully that's an advantage, but the cool thing is there's so many new people at Calvary. I love teaching the membership class and seeing all these new people come in and come in for the right reasons, and so there's kind of, uh, I guess, a mixture of people that watch me grow up versus you know new people who uh, don't know that I grew up here, but um, I don't see that being a challenge. I see it as a kind of a, a privilege and an honor.
1: And now that you've been on staff at, at both those churches, First Baptist Dothan, Calvary Baptist Dothan, what are... What are ten things that are much better about Calvary than First Baptist? What are What are ten things that I mean? Definitely say we're, it's way better over here than over there. Yeah, we'll do that for the next podcast. And I'm hoping Taylor's listening because listen, I'm not trying to take shots at you, but you know, you're you know, Taylor's still pretty pretty new at all this, young guy. I'm just trying to give him some things to shoot for.
2: Yeah, and some people don't know that I mentioned my very first class in seminary in Birmingham, uh, spiritual formation. Taylor was in that class. And so that's when Taylor and I met, and we uh, kind of were friends throughout seminary and went to New Orleans, he was living there. and um, So a lot of people don't know that um, Taylor and I have a long-existing friendship that began in that spiritual formation class.
1: There you go. And, and people may not know too, we, we joke around, not joking, I mean we, we call you Dr. Dan, that sort of thing. Um, just tell them real quick you know, about going back to school, what degree you pursued, why you did that, what you're working on now.
2: Um, I'm not working on a degree now. But I uh, went to. Um, not
1: working on a book or anything.
2: Um, no, not really. Then you
1: gotta I've, get
2: busy, man. Well, I'm I'm too busy doing other stuff. I've got some some thoughts and plans, but um, I did my doctorate in educational ministry with a focus on discipleship, and that was cool. Just, you know, sometimes you wrestle with, do I go back to school or not? And it was neat how when I did go back to school, it seems like every class I took was relevant to my current ministry. You know, I started a new singles class when I came here, and I was taking a class on singles ministry, and so. It was neat that God kind of providentially equipped me as I was, you know, serving here at Calvary through my doctoral program. And you
1: did that at New Orleans, right? New Orleans. So having had experience <clears throat> at New Orleans now, what would you say are like five reasons you wish you had gone to Southern instead of <laughs> New Orleans for your doctoral program?
2: We'll save that for another podcast okay. too. Right. Well,
1: Justin, to make a list of that yeah. uh, for the next one. So good. Hey, let me remind Calvary folks too, both Dr. Sam Tarwater, Dr. Dan Tankersley, nominated by the congregation, vetted, filtered through our elder council, be presented for a vote at our next members meeting, which will be taking place this Sunday night at the conclusion of our um, Sunday night worship service. And so it will be the responsibility of the congregation to affirm them. And per our bylaws, they have to receive a 75% affirmation from the congregation, and then the rest follows the term that they'll serve, three years, and then our um, or then can basically re-up for another three and then take a mandatory one year sabbatical off the council and that really affects more of our of our lay elders just because of the toll it takes on them those guys who are working full-time jobs most of them some of them retired um, but just the busyness because it is a demanding thing and and let me say this one thing about that for calvary folks the next time you see one of our elders and i hope you know who they are and you go to our website if you're, if you're not aware but typically you'll see them playing roles in worship services and wearing their name badges. Right, elders, you guys are wearing your name badges every Sunday. Um, Appreciate them. Let them know. Um, You appreciate what they do because those guys are doing it. Besides um, the few of us that are doing this as part of our, I guess, paid responsibilities, though it does add additional hours and time, those guys are doing it on their own. And so we really appreciate them, what they they contribute to Calvary.
0: Yeah, I'm just very thankful to be a church that that now has elders and, um, just the stability it gives us. And I'm just very thankful that God led us to this path, you know, six, seven, eight years ago now, such a good way to be. All right, well, that'll do it for our, our podcast today. Remember, if you have a question for us, uh, shoot it to us at podcast at calvarydothan.com. We'd love to answer it uh, in our next podcast or, or down the road. We've got a couple that we're looking forward to, hopefully to get uh, Dr. Sam Water also in here to interview him. And then uh, something from our women's ministry is, is upcoming. We want to really promo that well, too. So we got a few things up coming in the next few weeks. We hope you'll be with us, and we'll see you next time. And remember, we are for God, for Dothan, and for the world.